Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome to another hour dedicated to the notion of enlightenment. An hour for inquiry and reflection, all in an effort to understand exactly what enlightenment means and moreover, what it is to be enlightened. An hour devoted to exploring the edge of consciousness and all that is implied thereof. An hour that recognizes the nature of the subjective experience as being at least as important as the objective reality we reside within. Indeed, an hour for the open-minded willing to examine their deepest beliefs. An hour designed to help us go further inward and perhaps challenge some of those old ideas about the world we live in and the people we have become. This is an hour where we strive to evaluate knowledge as inseparable from the total experience of reality. I'm Eldon Taylor, and this is Provocative Enlightenment. Okay, every week I read some of your letters as our way of both acknowledging your importance and paying respect to the role you play in helping us to shape and improve our show. Last week, Dr. Charles McCuster joined me to discuss cortical electrostimulation, or CES for short. Charlie and I have worked together for many years, quarter of a century actually, and on several occasions combined CES with my InterTalk technology for some truly spectacular outcomes. Melissa wrote, Blessings to you. I am so glad that I was led to listen to your radio show this AM. I am so interested in the CES unit that will excel my healing process from depression and chronic pain. Thanks and much love to you and all you hold dearest to your heart. Well, thank you, Melissa. That's very nice of you. Kevin wrote, I thought that Eldon's show, Provocative Enlightenment, was the cortical electrostimulation. Wow. I like that one, Kevin. Thanks. What do you think of that, Rev? I think that's cool. You think maybe we should change the name of the show? No, I like no? the name of our show. We worked hard on coming up with this name. <laughs> okay. Paul wrote, Eldon, it's been about a month since I have discovered your website and all the free stuff. Thanks. You are amazing. And you too, Rav. Seriously, I look into the mirror and only see me getting older daily. This is Patty. I said, Paul, I'm sorry. Patty wrote, uh, getting older daily. I have not lost weight. I have not gotten a tan. I have not gotten a new hairdo. I have not grown taller, but everyone is asking, what have you done? You look so different. You really look good. Shall I let out the secret? What do you think, Rav? Should we let her let out the secret? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's cute, Patty, really cute. It's amazing how different one looks when the contents are rich and thick with life and joy. And that's what happens when you're using this inner talk technology to change that old negative um, self-talk that, uh, that so many of us have bubbling up everywhere. It's, uh, it's, that, it's that old difference between the container and the contents, really, Patty, but the luster of the container does take on an entirely new and bright glow when the contents are bubbling with a profound peace and absolute wonderment of it all. Now, for all of you listening, you too can join Patty by simply going to my website and picking up your free MP3 programs. They are there to help you, no strings attached. Just use the left-hand navigation pane on my website, eldentaylor.com again. Select free programs and get yours today. It couldn't be easier. There are many titles to choose from, or you can download them all. This is the patented and scientifically proven effective InterTalk technology. These are not samples. This is the real deal. We think of it as a part of our pay-it-forward program, so please, why wait? Act today. Michelle wrote... I'm sorry. I'm, I'm really messing up names today. Mitchell wrote, 
I tried the Intertalk Serenity CD and noticed an instant difference. Well, for all of you, remember this CD comes free with my book, Mind Programming, From Persuasion and Brainwashing to Self-Help and Practical Metaphysics. The CD alone sells every day for $27.95, but you can get both the book and all 100,000 words of it, plus the CD, at online bookstores for around $10. I saw Amazon has it for about $10.50, and Barnes has it for about the same price, too. So what can I say? That's a great deal. Get the book. Joyce wrote, I have been listening to the Intertalk Self-Destructive CD. After drinking two alcoholic drinks daily for years, I just stopped. I haven't had a drink in over two months with no desire for one. Thank you for the help. It's amazing. Well, Joyce, you're amazing. Thanks for the feedback. Sandy wrote, I listen to your show on Hay House Radio and really enjoy it. You bring an intelligent and interesting flair and discussion with many interesting topics and questions we all have. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you, Sandy. Thank you very much. We'll do our very best, won't we, Rav? Always. (laughs) Mabel wrote, All right, you ready for this one? I listened to your show about animal consciousness a few weeks back, and it has disturbed me since. If animals are so special, why did God give man dominion over them? The Bible makes it clear from the sacrifice of the lamb to the festival feasts, animals are here for our use. Okay, well, let's see. Where to begin? I'm sorry, Mabel, but I do view the Old Testament where these stories reside as a record of Yahweh's intercourse with the Jewish people rather than the literal word of God. You might think that dominion means something like sovereign or supreme authority or the independent right of possession, because in the Torah, humanity is given dominion over the animals. The Bible, that would be Genesis 1 and 26. There is another model, however, called Ahimsa, which declares that the lives of all animals are sacred and ought to remain free from any harm. Ahimsa is at the foundation of two Indian religions, primarily Jainism and to some extent Hinduism. While the interpretation of dominion allows for the exploitation, harming and killing of animals by definition, Ahimsa states that all beings exist to be mutually beneficial to each other. Now, another meaning for the historical usage of the word dominion implies caretaker. One given charge over protecting. Think of it this way, Mabel. The God of the Bible definitely has dominion over both the beasts of the field and the upright two-legged featherless creatures known as mankind, you and me. Mabel. You do not want to equate the dominion God has over you with the dominion you imply as having over animals, do you? So in conclusion, Mabel, I'm sorry, but your notion of dominion doesn't quite pass the smell test, at least with me. Whatever you do with animals, do it with respect. Uh, And love. Well, how can you do something with respect and not have love as a part of that equation okay i've been reprimanded (laughs) (laughs) all right that's all the time we're going to take today for our letters but i do invite you to opine i welcome your dissenting opinions as well please i hope you know that i will air them almost by preference you can reach me by leaving comments on my website or by emailing Eldon at eldentaylor.com and or by joining me on Facebook. I do read all of your letters, even though we don't have time to share them on the show. 
Uh, that said, they do impact our programming. So once again, thank you. Thank you, all of you. Now to today's show. <clears throat> what is the role of prayer in our lives? Is prayer something that can be studied in the laboratory? Is there a preferential prayer or method of prayer or system such as the Buddhist mantra versus a Christian petition or some form of intercessory prayer? What happens when two people or factions pray for the opposite thing? Is prayer a part of the inherent manifestation, nature of thoughts becoming things, our minds entering the world of the quantum and distilling out of it or out of zero point that which we prayed for? Or in the alternative, is there a prayer grantor out there that decides what prayers will be heard and answered? We live at a time when many want to suggest that man creates his own reality. Solid researchers like the famed physicist Hamid Goswami tell us that we create or at least co-create. Others, like Nobel laureate David Bohm, insist that things are more or less foreordained in that they already exist in the implicate order and are unfolding in our explicate holographic universe. Most academics today, in fact, seriously doubt the idea of a free will. Since so much of the human condition operates in what is now called either automatic or, quote, unconscious will, end quote, and since every thought one has originates in the unconscious before the conscious mind is aware of what it will say or do or think, there seems to be little evidence for free will. So is the answer to our prayers all just a matter of something that is already written, and when our prayers are not answered, it's because that script just didn't exist? Does praying for animals or plants have the same effect as prayers offered for human beings? I mean, if you pray that your bean plant will grow strong, does God help the bean plant? Or is this a matter of the power of thought? Or... or is the plant responding because it has a level of consciousness to your thought? Is this an exchange of love? Is there a three-way going? What's the difference, or is there one? Our special guest today recorded the persecutions and triumphs of two spiritual healers who were harassed when they started the Spindrift Research Team that developed scientific laboratory tests to measure the good and bad motivations of prayer, the types of prayers and effectiveness of prayer. In his book, A Journey Into Prayer, he explores the adventures of Bruce and John Klingbile uh, as they scientifically investigated ways to test prayer and human consciousness to separate the effects of holy thought from random effects. The Spindrift research translated some spiritual experiences and religious language into scientific language, which ignited a religious controversy. The ensuing outrage was sparked when the clean biles tested people's thoughts and prayers on plants and on random numbers forming into a pattern. Why would you think that would be such a controversial issue? Dr. Dean Radin of Ions had this to say about a journey into prayer. This book documents the inspiring and cautionary true story of Bruce and John Klingbile, a father and son team of devout Christian scientists who dared to test their faith in the power of prayer, and of Spindrift, the research organization that helped to support their efforts. The story describes the Clean Bile's courage and personal commitment to learn the truth about the efficacy of prayer 
their self-taught but ingenious experiment, experiments, the staggering hostility they attracted from both the religious and scientific communities, and ultimately the unbearable poignancy in their untimely and mysterious deaths. Mr. Bill Sweet is the author of A Journey into Prayer, and he was president of Spindrift for four years. He states he has always been interested in how prayer and religion relate to consciousness and science. A natural connection between light-thinking people resulted in his involvement in the research of prayer and consciousness at Spindrift. Bill is from Illinois, and he earned his degree in communication from Illinois State University. Bill says, quote, the word faith has many meanings. Faith is an umbrella word that can indicate everything on a scale from weak to strong belief through faith in God to a mind full of holy consciousness. Pertaining to its tests, Spindrift uses the word faith, and this is bolded out, to indicate strong belief or human will directing the results. So as they say, without further ado, let's meet the man. Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment, Mr. Bill Sweet. Oh, it's a pleasure to be with you today. That was quite a thorough uh, explanation of things I'd have to say. And I had to jump on this last letter of yours, too, about uh, animals, because several people at Spindrift, not myself, but several people at Spindrift and people who have been involved in praying for plants were so touched by the fact that prayer affects plants that it translated into them becoming vegetarians. Not that they had, they had to eat something, they had to eat plants, but they said, well, gee, if prayer does this for plants, I wonder what the heck about animals. They must be very conscious beings, the way they resp- animals respond to things and plants respond to things. So some people had that reaction, though they couldn't touch an animal after that. I could so. tell you a real long story, Bill, of something that made me a vegetarian, and I was a rancher at one time, and it was cattle, raising cattle that did it to me. But, hey, you know, that said, um, there's a time and a place for everything. And, oh, of uh, course. And I'm you not know, there, there yet either. Yeah, my wife uh, and I have talked about this many, many times because uh, when I first met her, she was just a absolutely committed uh, vegetarian. It was just, a, you know, it was evil to even think of not being a vegetarian. But, you know, if you're an Eskimo, uh, you, you can't live uh, as a vegetarian. There are environments in the world where that just simply is not possible. And then my wife's own learnings taught her that, uh, you know, the body has a need. It has a craving. And uh, long story short is on our second child, she developed arthritis. Well, now she had a craving all the way through the pregnancy for meat. But she denied it, specifically for beef. She denied this craving. Well, after my youngest son was born, she came down with arthritis. And we'll tell that story quickly, Rav. Well, I went hunting for a cure for it. I didn't want stuff to help. You know, they talk about ginger helping and parsley helping, and I wanted this stuff gone. And it was about 12 months after I was diagnosed with it, and I was on my meds and having lots of problems. Um, But I came across something that said that it was a cure or it had the cure potential, and I used it. I took two tablets twice a day for two weeks, came off my meds, and have not been back on them. And this supplement was an extract of beef. So now I pay a lot more attention to cravings. So, you know, there you go. I mean, somehow I think uh, if we get carried away in the extreme, we we become radical about anything, the universe is going to slap us alongside the head and and teach us that, you know, it's not quite that simple. 
Right. Well, this is a very important point about extremism. We want to be right down the middle on things. The same uh, in the things paranormal and spiritual, too. Well, what we found at our Spindrift Research, and that's the organization I worked with, was that, uh, you know, people tend to be totally believers in something, that they believe everything. They don't discriminate between uh, true phenomena and false phenomena. They just accept everything. Then you have people at the other extreme who don't believe in anything. They're anti-paranormal, anti-religion, anti-spirituality. It's, it's to be have a sense of normalcy in this area. We want to go right down the middle. And that would be true, too, with maybe some of this vegetarian stuff, too, because some people need it, some people don't. And we, but we're all growing. But I think probably in the final analysis, when consciousness really evolves, we'll stop killing animals altogether, I would think. Yeah, you may, you may well be right. You know, I don't know. I, I Again, I look at it and say all things with respect. You know, mm-hmm. if you look at how the Native American treated their buffalo, it's well, kind of right. hard to... You know, fault that. But hey, let's let's get to the work that that you did at Spindrift. Well, you know, for our listening audience, first of all, I've read the book. I had to get it on my uh, my Kindle because oh, uh, Bill's uh, publicist apparently failed to send it to the <laughs> yeah. right address. But it is a marvelous, marvelous read. So, how did you get involved with Spindrift? What is Spindrift? Uh, how did this whole thing kind of come about, Bill? Well, the uh, I've always been interested in. Uh, the combination of parapsychology and what the Spindrift calls parapsychology, trying to combine the ideas of religion, science, and consciousness research. And through uh, through going on a date, I found out about Bruce and John Klingbeil, who lived three towns over from me, and I was really surprised. They were both professional Christian science practitioners, and the healers in the Christian science tradition, who also had a scientific background. And Bruce and John Klingbeil were looking for ways to bring science and religion together by testing people in the laboratory to see what their prayers would do. There are a whole lot of reasons for this, but one of the reasons was is that uh, society is becoming uh, much more materialistic, and a lot of things will be found out about psychic things and spiritual things, but they will all probably all be relegated to mind over matter and using the mind to manipulate people, and they thought that along with this should be a parallel type of research that was showing that spirituality actually was something a little distinct from that. How the, when you release will, the human will, you get different results than when you use the human will. And this is a hard thing for people, uh, we still find, because most people think that you desire something and you put all your effort and uh, goals into doing something. This is the, this is uh, spiritual, and this is the way we pray. Well, we find out that that is not a very good way to pray. That's more of a materialistic way to pray. And it does work. There's no question that it works. But often we get our goals and what we want completely uh, mixed in with what the divine the divine mind out there would want us to have. And so Spindrift really was unique in this area of separating out the goals of the human mind from the, releasing those to the goals that are better for us kind of the difference between what we humanly want and what we spiritually need. And prayer brings this out, what we need. The higher prayer does anyway. And so okay. uh, they've discovered a lot about prayer in the process. Uh, did you want to ask me something? No, that's okay. Go ahead. I don't want to interrupt you. Uh, the, uh, what was discovered was is that there are obviously many ways people pray. And we found, among other things, that the two most important things uh, to know about prayer, at least in a scientific sense, is is that when people pray petitionary prayer, when they specifically ask for something, 
we call that goal-directed prayer, when people have a goal in mind. And that, that really works. There's no question about that. The more specific you are, the more you are going to attain something. This is uh, in line with what uh, I'm sure you and your wife and colleagues have found. The more specific you are, the more you're apt to get to that finish line. And uh, that, that's fine if the goals are good for you. A lot of people get what they want, but if they find out that what they want in the ultimate sense is not going to help them. It's not going to help them spiritually. It's just kind of played on their lust. There's that thing that Jesus talks about in the Bible that's hardly ever talked about. He says that a lot of people pray. He says that people pray, but they consume all their desires on their lust. Have you ever heard that phrase? Yes, and a lot of people, oh, okay, good. Well, a lot of people miss that. That's kind of called praying a miss. And we find that in goal-directed prayer, if it's done right, it's fine. If your goals are right, uh, it, it's good. But a lot of times people pray for the wrong thing. And so what we found most effective is what Spindrift has called non-goal-directed prayer, where you are praying for what is best. And a lot of people have uh, picked up on this in years, and it actually started with the Spindrift research way back in 1969. This idea of praying for the highest or the best is 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 a, is a better way to pray as a rule, because what you are doing is you're releasing your will and your desires for what is even even higher. And uh, so, because of these two styles of prayer, non-goal-directed prayer and goal-directed prayer, we had two distinct modes of thought to test in the laboratory that produce two different results that could be measured. And the way that plays out with some of the tests is in the following manner. You take plants, for example. We use plants, by the way, because they were simple organisms to test, and they were affordable, and it wasn't any way we could figure out how to use human beings for this and get away with it. Uh, so plants basically would have some stress put on them that they would have in nature, like too little water, too much water, too much feeding, uh, too much ultraviolet light, something that would stress them. And we bring somebody in, either a ex- person who's an experienced healer or somebody who had little experience or somebody from different religions and backgrounds, and have them uh, just tell them that the plant had a need, not telling them specifically what it was, but pray about the need, what the plant needed to return to a normal state. And we found that some people were able to pray. And uh, you could say return the, to the state that the, would be normal for the plant, or you could call that a spiritual healing. And then we'd have a control group plant that was out of sight that had the same condition that was not being prayed for, so you had a, a way to compare. And uh, the uh, we, we used different kinds of uh, systems for this. We used soybeans, different types of grass seeds. We used yeast, and we used trichocaly seeds. We used uh, bacteria, all kinds of things we tried out. Uh, bacteria is, is a plant, but it's something we played with. And over a time, we found that the accumulated results showed that that prayer does have an effect above chance, and that there are these two streams of results. You have the people who get the non-goal-directed results where the plant gets what it needs, where other people are praying for the plant, but they're actually using in their prayer their psychic ability, and they're manipulating the plant to go in the direction they think it should go. And this is where the human will gets involved. So we found out that that happens a lot of the time. And it happens with... Go ahead. 
Let's let's hold that till we come back from the break. When we get back from the break, though, I, I want you to continue and pick this up, and and I also want you to you know differentiate between what you call particle prayer and wave prayer. Okay. Uh, so we then can talk about why genetically engineered seeds don't respond. You're listening to Provocative Enlightenment. We're discussing the power of prayer. We'll return after a short break and a few words from our friends. Be sure to stay tuned and thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Have you talked to yourself lately? What does that inner voice say? Are you constantly hearing negative feedback? Ready for a change? InnerTalk, Eldon Taylor's patented subliminal technology, can do just that. Change your inner self-talk. Turn off the negative by replacing it with positive affirmations. InnerTalk has been researched at universities such as Stanford and by governments around the world and has been proven effective at priming your self-talk. Armed with a new positive outlook, you'll find everything becomes easier. From losing weight to stop smoking, giving presentations to riding horses, learn new things to being a powerful salesperson. Choose your title for change today. Visit www.innertalk.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-T-A-L-K.com. Innertalk.com. Close your eyes. Imagine your goals and dreams. What's preventing you from accomplishing them? Most often, we are our own worst enemies. I can't. I'm not good enough. It's time to reprogram that inner dialogue. Replace all those negative self-images with, I'm good. I am powerful. I can do anything. Eldon Taylor's Inner Talk patented subliminal technology does just that. Researched at numerous universities such as Stanford and by governments such as Mexico and Germany, InnerTalk has repeatedly been proven effective at changing your self-talk. Stop imagining your goals and make them a reality today. Visit www.innertalk.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-T-A-L-K dot com. InnerTalk.com. Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome back. If you just joined us, we're discussing prayer. But before we get back to today's show, I want to remind you to like, in the words of Facebook, our Provocative Enlightenment Facebook page. And while you're there, I invite you to join me personally on Facebook as a friend. Finally, be sure to check out the free programs on my website, eldentaylor.com, and sign up for our free newsletter when you're there. All right, let's get back to the show today. Uh, Before the break, we were speaking with Bill Sweet about uh, types of prayers, and I promised that when we would come back, we would uh, define what a particle prayer was, what a wave prayer was, and then discuss why genetically engineered seeds are unresponsive to prayer. But I have to say this first, because I kind of cut Bill off. My two favorite prayers are just simply thank you, thank you, thank you, and my ultimate favorite, my wife is shaking her head at me uh, many times, is thy will be done. And if I understood you uh, correctly, uh, 
as we were talking about this one, uh, Bill, thy will be done would be that non-directed prayer looking for the highest, best outcome. Uh, you got that, that right? right. You have that right. Uh, thy will be done is non-goal-directed petitionary prayer when you're asking for something specific as goal-directed. Petitionary prayer is okay if you're, as I, as you're asking for the right thing, but you can't go wrong with thy will be done prayer. And okay. uh, by the way, since you mentioned that, my favorite prayer is, God, help me become half the person my dog thinks I am. Yeah, I love that one, too. I have to admit that. I love that. <laughs> you okay, know that well, one, right? Well, okay. Well, the, uh, the thing is, is that we, we relate, relegated this to some quantum physics uh, ideas that Bruce and John Klingbeil, who started Spindrift, did, where the idea is is that uh, it, it's, it seems that the more we get into consciousness, uh, it seems more like consciousness is more wave-oriented than it is particle-oriented. The particles mm-hmm. operate in a confined way, whereas the way, when you think of waves and the field in a larger way, it's more there's more freedom involved. And I think when we get into this, we, 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 this is where we get this idea. So when we deal with goals, goals, our material goals, a lot of times we get the particles mixed in in our thoughts. So we think of gold-dredger prayer as particle prayer because it deals with specific things that we want material usually. Now, there's exceptions to that. You could pray, well, like King Solomon did in the Bible. He prayed to have understanding and good judgment. Now, there, that wouldn't be particle. That would be more of a gold-dredger prayer that was in line with I will be done, in the sense that you were asking for something spiritual and not something material. Right. But often particles get mixed in. So particle prayer is more of a materialistic prayer, and that's usually incorporated, what's always incorporated, uh, if you're going to find it, in gold director prayer. And also, uh, along with that, too, we also found that there's another form of prayer, too, and that's a negative prayer where people actually use prayer against somebody. There's a lot, a lot more of this going on in religion than you'd, you'd, you could believe. And a lot of people think uh, that they use it in a battle way, where they're using it against people, and that's particle prayer also. And it means being used as jabs. They're using prayer in a way where you're a sniper in the background praying against somebody to destroy them for whatever reason. Right. I, even heard it, uh, I even heard an example last week on the TV. I was going to write down what show I was watching. Maybe some of your people saw the show, but it was a regular television show. And they were interviewing this uh, Christian man that was ahead of some... Oh, I know who it was. It was the new president of this conservative Christian group. I can't think of the name right now. The, uh, uh, but anyway, the point is is that he was talking about something I said, I couldn't believe what he said. He said what really he was happy about is when he was a missionary over in China, and then he was leaving, leaving to come back to the United States, that uh, his um, all his people who worked with him, and, and some of them were Chinese and some of them weren't, were, were praying for America and praying for the uh, churches in America and the work they were doing in America. He says, well, exactly. He said, what exactly are you praying about? He says, well, we're praying that you will be persecuted and you'll have troubles because that's when you really work hard. So they were praying negatively that we would have, that all the people here would have all kinds of troubles and strife so that they would work harder. They didn't even realize that it was a negative prayer. They thought it was a positive one. It was just amazing. I couldn't believe it when I heard that. Yeah. So people now, do these things. Go ahead. I was just going to ask, did you... Uh... Or the um, has the institute done any research where you actually looked at uh, what happens to a plant when you have competing prayers? I mean, somebody praying a negative and somebody praying a positive, if you will, using this particle uh, prayer uh, terminology on the same plant. 
on the same plant. Well, I, I'd, I'd have to research that, but I know that we had people come in and uh, either uh, deliberately try to damage plants because they were. They, we had we picked people out that we thought well, would do that, and we they sort of met our expectation. And that some people do damage with their thoughts, and then we have other people. Interestingly enough, and this happens in an unconscious way, where they are think they are doing the right thing with goal-directed prayer. They're asking for such and such to happen to a plant because they think that's how it would heal a plant. Mm-hmm. And in fact, they end up they end up doing more harm than good. So their intention was good, but their unconscious mind thought it knew what was best for the plant, and so it cut off the divine influence, and it just psychically uh, damaged the plant. So you have unintentional and intentional uh, damage that can be done. There's people that can do both. And we found that, unfortunately, and it probably is very upsetting to your audience, that negative prayer can be very powerful stuff. And we're, uh, we we certainly, it gives a good argument why we need to have more people understand that the basis of spirituality, what it really is, and the quality that you have to have in it in order so that we uh, overcome and, and at least suppress these wrong desires in our prayers. Because there's a lot of had prayer out there doing damage in the world. And, of course, a lot of people pick on real religion anyway these days, like Bill Maher and people like that. You know, you can't blame them. You can't blame them sometimes, you know. Well, I don't know about <laughs> not blaming him. I think yeah, my you know. problem with Bill Maher and Christopher Hitchens yeah. and uh, Docking and, and, and their like is that uh, they, they treat the world as though they are the intellectual elite and the rest of us are, uh, you know, we're just losers. We just, oh, we just don't have a clue. Of course. Uh, but, but the point is, is they're, they're, they're just like there's bad religion, there is bad prayer. And that's what we hope that maybe the Spinder of Research will help people. Uh, to learn more about their true motives in prayer and how to improve them, because a lot, I mean, this, this happens to me too. I mean, I can tell you that uh, uh, I've gotten some very bad results on tests, and I thought I was going to get a good result, but I was it uncovered for me what I was not thinking correctly about at the time. And so we can learn things uh, because, well, I give you an example. You want an example? One of our very good non-goal-directed, thy-will-be-done prayers, prayers at Spinder, who's a very experienced prayer. This is someone who's also helps people all the time with healing and just has, is just a natural person, when they can even slip up. Uh, she um, was a uh, working in, a, in one of these exotic uh, veterinarian places that work with exotic, kind of unusual animals, and there was a octopus, of all things, in a tank that had some kind of sickness, and the octopus uh, got this terrible fever because there was some kind of bacteria or something on it, and it, and it was, it was going to kill the darn thing. So here she was, an experienced healer, and she wanted to pray for the thing, and so she thought she was praying correctly, uh, so she prayed that the, uh, that the fever would reduce, which would be probably what we would all assume. We would make that assumption, wouldn't we? Well, it turns well, out... untrained, yes. Uh-huh. Yes, it turned out that that was the wrong way to pray for the octopus because the octopi needed that high fever to burn off the bacteria or the, or the, or whatever. Yeah. It needed that. That was part of the healing process. So the person was actually praying counter to what was in the best interest of the octopus. Didn't thought the thought they weren't. You know, the reason I asked the question is we live in a world that's really polarized right now. Uh, where institutionalized religion is concerned, and you you may well have uh, 
uh, someone in some part of the world actually praying for the demise of a culture or for a, the demise of a religion. Um, well, this is this it, is one of the things that you know, Eldon. I got to tell you, this is one of the things we feel badly about because before, way before nine eleven, Spindrift was uh, looking into all, the, all these negative prayers going on in the world, and including some of these terrorist prayers. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had some of the translated prayers that they were praying, and we were telling people about it. Do you realize that they're now? Of course, I got to make a qualification here. That you've got to do over and over again. We're not talking about the good and holy Muslims. We're talking about the bad ones. Just like there's right. good and bad in every religion. We'll just call them the radical jihadists. Sounds the like. radical jihadists. And if you read their prayers, it would, you know, you, you wouldn't have to uh, watch any more of the uh, horror films on Halloween or anything. I mean, it would be, it, it's, it's way beyond anything. It's, it's got a right. life out of you with some of these translations. So why didn't That's we pay right. more attention to it? Because these prayers are going out into the world five times a day all over the world, and they're trying to undermine us. And, of course, 9-11, well, it, we were asleep on 9-11. They did a good, good, good job of putting us asleep. Yeah. In, indeed, I understand that some of the fatwas are actually repeated, uh, almost mantra style. Uh, Correct. And, and, you know, a, a mantra is, for all intent and purposes, a prayer in many cultures. Well, sure. And so these are negative affirmations, you might say, mm-hmm. uh, that are going out, and they're going into collective consciousness, and we need to uh, be sure that we're all clear in our thought and not accepting these things, because we want to counter them with more positive things. I mean, the world certainly needs a lot more positivity today. It's really on a negative turn, don't you think? Uh, absolutely. I mean, in the, the, there is no question about that. I think when you start dividing, however, you're looking at this dichotomy, this the negative prayer and the positive prayer. And, of course, the positive, the best positive prayer is the non-directed prayer. So you have the Christian or you have the New Ager. Uh, you have that. I, I don't even I, I you, you, you can have the Islamist, uh, the, the Muslim, the Muslim, the, the Sikh doing their thy will be done prayer. And turning that over and doing so, and I, and I believe, and I'm going to ask you this, that that energy has to be love. I mean, that has to be the common denominator when you're really doing that. That is a common denominator, mm-hmm. and it's the quality of love. One of the big words that Spindrift, and by the way, the Spindrift website is spindriftresearch.org or spindriftresearch.com. Either one will take you there. And if you go to the FAQ page, a lot of this is uh, answered in some of the discoveries on that uh, page on the Spindrift website. But one of the words I wanted you to look up on the website is quality, how we use the word quality. We think that the quality of one's consciousness plays into how one lives, how one loves, how one approaches everything. And it's all these things that we do in life that actually build up our consciousness to be a prayerful consciousness. is isn't just you go pray and then your life is different. These things all kind of go together. It's like a musician just doesn't go out and play. A musician has to practice his instrument, talk to other musicians, things like that, you have to build up and nurture a consciousness in order to have a consciousness that is full of good motives and things. And even then, you have to watch out for how the culture and how your own ideas get in there and influence you. Okay. Go ahead. Well, while we're on build-up, we have a very patient caller on the line, Cynthia from uh, New York, who has a relevant question to that. So let's let's go to line one and get Cynthia on the air. Give Cynthia to join us. You have a question, Cynthia. 
Uh, please share that with us. Hi. Um, yes, actually, I was listening to you, and in listening to you, I just realized that this is the book, The Power of Intention, and the Intention Experiment. And I wasn't sure if they heard of that. I, I'm oh. sorry, Cynthia. I... Uh, you broke up in that. I didn't hear what you said. Did you hear her, Bill? No, I was going to ask you. She said something about hello intention. <laughs> intention. Okay. Yes. Yes. The um, the intention experiment. I had just finished that book, and they had discussed uh-huh. a lot of the things that you had discussed today. Um, but when I when I had called, I literally was just meditating, and I and basically I just stopped meditating and said I had the call, and I did. And my question is about compassion. I feel the more that I pray and meditate and I want to be open to God, the more I feel that I lack compassion and I really just want to feel that. Okay. That's what I understood your question to be from what the producers are telling me. So the question, Bill, is how, how do... How does a person generate a higher level of compassion? I think that's what you were addressing when you were saying. I think I was. There's a phrase I like. There's a a rabbi once said that love is not a feeling. Love is how you live, and then the feeling comes from that. So I think how you live defines how you love. And and so the more that you do things in an active way, it automatically feeds back into your unconscious mind, and you build up these things, these skills. It's kind of like I. Uh, that that born that movie born whatever is it, that where that 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 the guy was a he lost his memory who he was uh, and, but he was a secret agent. Uh, born you know, identity. Yeah, born. Yeah, but then but every time he needed a skill, he would it would just come up. You know, he'd be able to fight somebody or able to do this. And he had these skills all built into his subconscious mind, so they came forward when he needed them. And I think that uh, we. Uh, we do that too with our, our spirituality. And I, now, strangely enough, we think that uh, at Spindrift, we think that one of the odd, it may sound odd a lot to a lot of people, maybe not to your audience, we think in the future of the world, one of the things that may actually turn out to be one of the great contributions will be these uh, clusters and these monk places and these nunneries and people where they have spiritual uh, retreats and things like this. It's the people there that will be sending out resonating signals of. Uh, peace and hope and love, and that, that will help maintain and improve uh, collective consciousness. Once this is really understood that prayer is not just a crazy thing people do, but it's an actual phenomenon of human life, and it, and it does actually have an effect. I think a lot of people I talk to are surprised that prayer is a real thing. It's something they were brought up to do, and they just do it out of routine and habit, but that it actually does something, and they find that out. It actually scares people. For what it's worth, Cynthia, I'll add this. Uh, I, from my own experience, uh, my own life, uh, the way you really gain compassion is by going to the aid of other people. You sure. volunteer in a hospice center, uh, volunteer at a hospital, uh, you know, uh, join a big brother or big sister program. When you begin to work with truly disadvantaged uh, individuals or or those close to passing over, and and you begin to aid them, uh, not for yourself, but for them. Uh, there's a there's a level of compassion that just seems, uh, as Bill says, to be that latent skill that pops in and and has been there all the time. We just haven't been aware of it. Right. Thank you for calling. Thank you. 
It, it, uh-huh. it brings up a good point. Uh, we think that the uh, a lot of people ask it, it's dangerous, but there's a secret to prayer. And we think that the secret to prayer is is that sometimes you you got to be very aware that you're doing your own thinking, and go in. And Jesus said, "Go into your closet, close the door, and shut the door, and pray in secret. God will reward you in secret." This is the secret to prayer: to close the closet, to close your consciousness off from the culture, from all the negativity, from the advertising. Uh, and I, I was listening to one of your programs. You talked about uh, sustained arousal caused by advertising. Mm-hmm. And marketing. I mean, we just walk around all the time, and we're being triggered to think of this, triggered to think that. You know, we don't have any um, time when we really have peace of mind because our mind is being aroused all the time for this and that and the other product, or this is going on and that's going on. Quietude and and uh, is going to be one of the most rare things, like gold and silver and platinum. Sometime we're not going to find places to be quiet, so we have to find that closet. We have to find a space. Uh, where we are alone and we can have listen to our own thoughts. And as you know, Albert Einstein said, imagination is more powerful than knowledge. We want to make sure that uh, well, when we are imagining these ideas, that there are ideas, and that we're not just repeating somebody else or just repeating phrases and repeating things the culture told us to say. That doesn't do anything. Amen, amen, amen. When was your last original thought? My favorite question, Bill Sweet. Now, <clears throat> I, I, I've got to get this on the air, and we've only got like five minutes left. Got questions in the chat room. Well, but let's just go to this. Genetically engineered seeds are unresponsive to prayer. Why is that? Well, we just thought as a premise uh, that we have we, we just have speculations why it mm-hmm. could be that uh, it wasn't a created entity to begin with, and so there wasn't a reference point for prayer to reach it in the divine. It was something that man created so that prayer couldn't reach it. Or it could be that in time, maybe it will collect and get into the uh, unconscious uh, enough. But we found that uh, when people prayed for trichocale seeds, which is a man-made uh, genesis of seed, that prayer, no matter who prayed for it, it did more damage than good. It was a it was a very interesting thing. We had other kinds of seeds at the same time that were being prayed for that were regular seeds, wheat seeds and rice seeds, and they were being benefited by prayer. But they were side by side by these other seeds that was receiving the same prayer, and they were being hurt by prayer. So the same prayer was okay, doing. Let me, let me ask you to extrapolate some there, okay? What would you suspect would be the response of praying then, say, for a clone? Uh, like this new clone salmon that we're talking about introducing to the food chain? Well, it, it, it's going to raise some interesting spiritual questions about originality. It's like uh, we all know that when we have our own teeth, that there are teeth, that they are okay, but if we get dentures, that's a counterfeit. Uh, it's not really, but it does have a function. So, I mean, things maybe have functions, but we may be getting further, uh, further or farther away from the... Uh, to the, of the original, and this is this is the way I would approach it in the, in the terms of quality. Do we really understand what has the quality and what is deviating from quality? And uh, so I would say that the, the important thing is that we have a lot to learn. We can't stop progress. I'm not for that. We said someday these things will probably be all resolved, like all issues will be resolved that are that are very confusing for people today, like abortion or whatever. You know, the thing is, is that we have to realize that. You know, we're going to invent things, but then we have to bring in the spiritual and find out what is the relationship of the invention 
to the original intention of, of creation. This is going to be a very interesting uh, thing. I could even relate back to the vegetarian thing. The, uh, my concept, just talking for myself as Bill Sweet, is, is that uh, I, I think God is up there watching us, and we're down here, and we're experimenting and investigating. He just wants to see how we're going to deal with all these wild issues that are being thrown at us. And gradually, we will we'll resolve these things. And uh, so, does that help a little bit? Well, yeah, it does. But, you know, it takes us a little bit further away from Dolly the sheep and, and into something like some of the genetically, you know, genetic engineering that is going on or is possible uh, with a human condition. Or do, you, do you foresee that we're going to have that same? And you have to give me a quick, like, 30-second answer there. Well, I think that at first uh, everybody thinks when something comes along, it conflicts with the Bible and nature and what's natural, and then over time everybody accepts it. So give things time, and the bad part of it will be thrown out, and the good part of it will be kept. All right. Now, it doesn't sound very satisfying, you know. I want you to tell everybody again your website, how to to contact you. Okay, well, it's spindriftresearch.org is the website, spindriftresearch.org. You can contact me through the website or call me on the phone, whatever you'd like to do there. Go to contact. My book is A Journey into Prayer, Pioneers of Prayer in the Laboratory by Bill Sweet. And uh, it's hardback and soft cover. And you can go to the uh, website and click book news, book news on the website. That'll take you to the information on that. And uh, if there's any other questions people have, they can let me know. Like, what do we, why do we use that word spindrift? That's kind of an interesting nautical term that we use. And any questions about prayer, we'll be happy to answer them. And just any questions you might have, some of the questions will be answered on the FAQ page. Also, if you go to the documents page on our website, we have all kinds of articles there that we've written. And there's a speech I've written, by the way, on that that I gave that might interest your listeners. I've written a speech on comparing individual prayer with group prayer. Okay, Bill Sweet, we appreciate you coming on the show. It is a great read. The book is A Journey Into Prayer. Like I said, I've got it on my Kindle. I read it. It's uh, You'll enjoy it. It's quite a story. It's a bit of a mystery story. We didn't we didn't get to a lot of what I wanted to get to. Um, well, like, maybe next time. Bill's committed suicide and, and so forth. So do follow it up. All right, we've come to the end of another hour of Provocative Enlightenment. I want to thank you all for joining us, and I hope you enjoyed our show, and we'll join us again next week same time and same place and if you like our show do let us all know okay until next time wherever you are in the world whatever time of day it might be remember believing in yourself always matters thank you good night